In May, Governor Kathy Hochul announced a new study designed to improve public safety planning for parts of the state most susceptible to significant tropical storm damage. For more on this review, we're joined in the studio by Jackie Bray, Commissioner for the State Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services, which is the state agency taking the lead on this study. Welcome to the Capitol Press Room, Commissioner. Thanks so much for having me. It's our pleasure. So why is it time to update the state's hurricane evacuation study? Well, you know, honestly, I think it's way past due to update this study. This is a program run by the National Hurricane Program. That's a partnership. It's a federal partnership between the Army Corps, between the National Hurricane Center, between the National Weather Service, and between FEMA. It covers the 22 states, coastal states, that experience the most tropical weather. And it, they do one a year. So the last time we did ours was back in 2009. Since then, we've had Sandy, we've had Ida, we've had other big tropical storms. So we're well past due, but we're really excited to be selected this year to update the study. Well, you say we're way past due. What is there reason to believe that a 2009 study might not necessarily be the, the most useful? Yeah, so there's two or three big things that this study is going to do. The first thing that it's going to do is that it's going to map all the hazards. And when we talk about hazards from major tropical weather, from coastal storms, from hurricanes, we're talking about water, wind, water from the ocean, water from rain. All of those things have intensified because of climate change. And so it's important that we take a new look at what type of hazards we're looking at with major tropical storms and the intensity of those hazards. If you look at Ida, Ida was a record-breaking rain event. We did not think we could get four inches of rain in an hour in New York City until it happened. And so it's important that we update our understanding of what this climate's weather is like what is possible given this climate in terms of tropical weather number one number two is that we're going to update our vulnerabilities so not only how big can the storm surge be how much rain can come down but where do our most vulnerable populations live all of that has changed substantially since 2009 where are our nursing homes where are shelters where are our communities that don't speak English as a first language, where are populations that might need more support in evacuating? That stuff changes over time. So both of those variables, the hazards we're facing and where our vulnerable people are, has changed. And so we need to update our understanding of how to manage an evacuation. Generally speaking, are there widely accepted agreement on the parts of the state that are most susceptible to tropical storms? And if so, what are those regions? Yeah, absolutely. Right. So New York City, Long Island, Westchester, the lower Hudson Valley have traditionally been the areas of the state most impacted by tropical weather, coastal storms, hurricanes. However, we've now seen impacts as far north as Albany. So this is actually the very first time we'll be doing a update to a hurricane plan that's going to include all the way north to the capital region. And how are these reports supposed to be used in practice? So people like me, in a lead up to a storm, make decisions. We make decisions about whether or not to evacuate areas. We make decisions about what type of resources are going to be required if we need to issue an evacuation. A study like this will give people in my job, people in local emergency management job, county emergency manager jobs, the really the roadmap they need to make the best decisions possible. 
we know that if you order an evacuation 24 hours out, you have a much lower chance of successfully evacuating that population than if you order an evacuation 96 hours out. We don't often get the chance to order evacuations 96 hours out. That is a luxury we rarely have. So if it's two days out, a day and a half out, and we have to order an evacuation, I need to know how long is it going to take me to physically move that many people? Like what literally what roads are we taking and how long does that movement take? Where are areas where people are not going to be able to evacuate themselves? We're going to have to add transportation. Where are areas where, from a behavioral science perspective, people are going to be less likely to take our government direction, where we might need to send community groups in, we might need to do door-to-door work, stuff like that. This is the study that's going to lay all of that out for us. Well, you framed the study as a roadmap, and I could imagine for some people a roadmap is a very strict set of rules for them to follow this turn here, yield here, go this far before you do something else, whereas someone else might take a roadmap as more an advisory tool. They travel based on their gut. They've been here before. They know what they're doing. So how do you see the state utilizing something like this? Is it going to be heavily prescriptive or is it more of an advisory document? So these documents used to be what I'm going to call one and done. They used to get written, and then they would sit on a shelf, and you'd pull them out when you needed them. I think there's a pandemic study like that somewhere. I think there's a pandemic plan somewhere on a shelf that maybe didn't get used. This is actually the first time that the federal government is testing out what they're calling a modernized version of this work, and that's because it's going to be meant to be a living and breathing document. It's going to be meant to be something we can continually in the state update on an ongoing basis so we don't have to wait another 15 years for the federal team to sort of cycle back around to New York. I think the truth is, fundamentally, When we do these reports, these studies well, they're used all the time. And we update them and we amend them and we use them as a guide, but they're not a rigid do this, that, and then the other thing in this order at this time. Disasters don't work that way. When they're not used, frankly, when they're stuck on a shelf and they sit there gathering dust and aren't that helpful to people in jobs like mine, is when then they're so prescriptive that some small change makes them useless. Well, for listeners just joining us, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Jackie Bray, Commissioner for the State Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services, which is the state agency tasked with updating the state's hurricane evacuation study. So what is the timeline for completing something like this? And do you envision it being done in stages or will it be coming out with one document all at once some point down the road? So we're going to do it in five phases. We kicked off in April and the Army Corps of Engineers is leading the first phase and that's the hazards phase. That's the update to the realm of the possible of what weather, tropical weather, coastal storm weather impacts we could get. The second phase is going to kick off later this year, and that's the vulnerability phase. That's where FEMA is really going to help us, and that's going to be mapping vulnerable populations, both from the perspective of how much they receive and how easy it is to communicate, and from the perspective of like physical vulnerabilities, right? Are they in nursing homes? Are they in rehabilitation centers? Um, And those two phases, phase one and phase two, hazards and vulnerability, will take us to next spring. 
after that, there'll be a phase of behavioral research. That's the one I'm most excited about. Why? You know, I think that we often gloss over the fact that the the weather information, weather forecasts are only as good as whether or not people respond to them, right? You have a perfect forecast, but if you communicate it in a way that no one takes the action you expect them to take, then that's not a useful forecast. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand from a behavioral perspective, how do New Yorkers receive this information and act on it? So that'll be the third phase. And then we'll do sheltering and transportation. And that's really the nuts and bolts of how much, how much shelter do we need how, and how do we physically move people around. And how much, if any, of the information that you collect, maybe as it pertains to nursing home populations and other vulnerable areas, can be utilized to inform other disaster plans? So when emergency management is run well, it's run as an all-hazards endeavor, mm-hmm. Right. So what we learned for hurricanes, we're going to use on snowstorms, we're going to use in air quality days, we're going to use in potential, you know, violent extremist attacks, right? Whether it's chemical or biological or what we would call kinetic, think mass shooter, or natural disaster or cyber disaster, all of the information we gather should be able to be leveraged across any emergency disaster or crisis. And do we have other evacuation studies for different types of potential disasters? So we have what I might say is like off-the-shelf planning for dozens of disasters, and many of them would include evacuations. When we think about the New York City area, when we think about the Long Island area, it's mostly about weather hazards, but obviously we have nuclear power plants in this state. Mm-hmm. Um, there are evacuation plans for around those plants. Those plants are incredibly safe. I don't ever worry. does not keep me up at night, but God forbid anything happens. There are very detailed evacuation plans there that we actually drill and exercise every year. So there are type, you know, there are different types of hazards, different types of disasters that you might need an evacuation plan for. Do we have an evacuation plan for, say, like a Independence Day type situation where uh, aliens come (laughs) to New York City and other major metropolitan areas? You know, if we have one, I haven't seen it. Or is it the case that you just can't tell me about it because I'm too low on the totem pole and I'm not going to be part of the disaster response? I sort of wish that the day I got this job, they had taken me into the emergency operations center and said, Jackie, here's the alien invasion evacuation plan. That would have made this job a much cooler job. Gotcha. Well, finally, when when we think uh, about the possibility of responding to hurricanes, obviously they're not going to be on pause while we finish this study. So are you planning to incorporate work into the present uh, plans on a rolling basis, basis you'd go through these phases? Yeah. Well, let me say, first of all, that all of our counties that are susceptible to hurricane-type storms or hurricanes and the state have robust hurricane plans. And so it's not like we're uncovered today. What we want to do is raise the bar. As each phase is complete, it'll be shared with our partners and we'll be actively using the research from those phases um, and we'll be incorporating it into our existing hurricane plans. Well, we've been speaking with Jackie Bray. She's the commissioner for the State Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services. Jackie, thank you so much for making the time. Thanks so much for having me. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. 
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.